Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. McGurk! I love not typing. Not messing my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Cheera. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are live and wired on the Supergirl Radio Facebook page and the DC TV podcast YouTube channel to go back in time. Uh, we're doing this because Morgan didn't get to uh, review Supergirl episodes as a full-time co-host of Supergirl Radio until the episode World's Finest, uh, which aired in March of 2016. So we are going <laughs> to revisit the first season to get Morgan's Thoughts, and we are going to do that this time around with the season one, episode two, uh, Stronger Together. So uh, before we get to that, uh, we need to, to to go back in time. So let's uh, rewind back to season one. <laughs> All right. So do, you, do you feel like you time travel? It's intense. It's intense. I've got the spins now. <laughs> Well, since we don't have any news this week, we're just going to get right to it. So here is the official description of Stronger Together. Uh, side note, uh, I, I didn't document the source for this back in the day when uh, I first uh, podcasted about this episode. And then when I tried to go find it, it was difficult to find. I guess it's been buried uh, in the Internet, <laughs> so I couldn't find it. So I'm glad that I documented it in the Google Doc for this episode so I could actually pull <laughs> up the episode description. Oh no, Veron all of Veronica's work is disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad that I keep this uh, database in my Google Docs around. <laughs> so here is the official description of Stronger Together. Quote, when Kara's attempts to help National City uh, don't go according to plan, she must put aside the doubts that she and the city's media, has about her abilities in order to capture an escapee from the Kryptonian prison for Roz, unquote. Now, Morgan, I have a lot of questions for you, but I think what the format we should do for Supergirl Radio Rewind is uh, I, I just want to open it up. You have the floor. What do you want to talk about with this episode? Oh, geez. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I I just kind of enjoyed this one. I just kind of like sat back and was like, <laughs> oh, season one. Look at that. The colors are <laughs> they're so much brighter and everyone was so much younger and happier. <laughs> so um, so I, I guess that opens up uh, a conversation about the the possible quality of the episode. Do you feel like there is a difference in watching uh, stronger together versus kind of what happens later down the road, or is that a is that a loaded question? I mean, you're you're leading me in a direction, but it's the direction <laughs> I was walking in, so I'm not. <laughs> uh, no, I do think that like 
in general, it was more about Supergirl and it was Supergirl stories and the about what Supergirl was going through, what Kara was going through. It felt like she was the main character of this television show. <laughs> and that felt a little off to me, a little different. I was <laughs> confused. Uh, <laughs> who is who is this person? Why is she getting so much screen time? I asked myself. But uh, no, I really liked that, you know, everything was really centered in Kara and her struggles. And like, I like this episode because the pilot is this big dramatic moment where she you know she rescues the plane and then she learns that you know alex is you know actually working for the deo i was going to make an alias joke but i was like no one gets the airplane parts thing morgan you have to stop saying it (laughs) but but basically like the first episode's a very triumphant you know, introduction of Supergirl. And I think a lot of shows would have been like, Supergirl here to save the day. And in in the second one, it's like, Supergirl, she doesn't really know what she's doing. (laughs) Uh, And I love when she tries to like, save the ship and they're like what are you doing it's gonna blow and she's like all right all right i got a different idea got a different idea and uh she starts pulling it away from the fire and everyone's like all right all right all right and then she breaks it and they're all like my favorite my favorite part during that (laughs) sequence is you hear somebody in the background going you're making it worse yes yes, (laughs) that's my favorite part that like really made me laugh very hard (laughs) stop it you're making it worse (laughs) she's like i'm trying um but i like the idea of like you know uh you don't become a you know well-oiled superhero in a day and um and this is kind of the episode where she's getting her feet underneath of her and she's she's starting with some smaller you know some smaller superheroics instead of you know jumping to always fighting a Fort Raz escapee which of course she does in this episode <laughs> as well well um, yeah I guess she technically does because Astra is a Fort Raz escapee but Alex fought, fights a Fort Raz escapee as well yeah yeah so but she also you know she uh, deals with a, a store robbery and she gets Fluffy down from a tree Fluffy being a snake mm-hmm. a joke that I really enjoyed uh, <laughs> <laughs> how would I know it's a snake its name was Fluffy um, um, and, and I think it was just nice to see her interacting with like the people of national city, uh, which as the show went on, we saw less and less of, and they brought it back a little bit in season six, which actually I appreciated. It was one of the things I liked about season six is that there were just people who lived in national city again. Uh, <laughs> They just existed. Uh, and they were... stayed around for a while, too. For It was uh, like an episode, uh, uh, like several episode arcs. I know. Yeah, yeah. It was like kind of, <laughs> we talk about Lost on this show all the time, but it was like kind of like on Lost where like occasionally the uh, the red shirts on the island would get a line and you're like, you're still alive? <laughs> yeah. uh, where did you come from? <laughs> exactly. Who? Nikki and Paolo who? Um, <laughs> and I thought by by that point in Supergirl that, they, that the rest of National city had basically ceased to exist and so it was nice that they brought them back in but here in the early days you really get to see her interact with you know with the people of national city the people the first responders who are like stop it you're making it worse and the the media who doesn't really know what to do with her and just kind of like the everyday people 
who are beginning to appreciate her more and more. I even like that uh, before they had the like, the guy's in the dark tunnel and obviously they're going to die. But they're like disagreeing about whether or not Supergirl is any good at her job. And the one guy's <laughs> like, hey, man, like she's new. Give her some time. <laughs> and it feels like that would be something that people would like argue about, about whether you were pro or anti this new superhero popping up in your town. And so it felt like National City was more of a real place and less of a you know, a one dimensional uh, stage in which they were <laughs> the super friends were basically having their own adventures. It was like, oh, other people live here, too. Yeah, there are actual stakes that people mm -hmm. need to be <laughs> saved. And uh, it's a real live breathing place. Yeah. Uh, National City definitely felt a little different in season one because they incorporated some of those uh, people. So um, uh, I guess yeah, let's let's maybe talk about some of those people. So I, I feel like we should uh, continue to uh, take advantage of the uh, opportunity to discuss Cat Grant. Because <laughs> of course. <laughs> we, we only really got to see her in season one, a couple episodes in season two. And then, of course, an, uh, a younger version of Cat Grant in season six. So after season one, we didn't get to talk about her very much. So, uh, Morgan, what did you think about Cat Grant in this episode and her 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 need to uh, help Supergirl in a, a very Cat Grant way, which is, you know, try to get her to be better as a superhero and then eventually trying to go after an interview with her. Uh, so what did you think about Kat in this episode? Uh, as always, I love Kat. I don't know. I don't know if I love her management style, which is like, do the thing I want you to do or else I'm going to fire you. That doesn't <laughs> that doesn't seem like a great uh, a great man. Like a great leader doesn't seem like they should have to threaten to fire their their artistic director. Um quite as often as she does but <laughs> listen we all have our own ways about her, that's her managerial stuff <laughs> that's yeah exactly i love that like at the end she's calling jimmy to be like pack your bags <laughs> <laughs> jeez cat you gave him two days and then you like called him at the end of like day one and was like never mind <laughs> it, it's, it's like she was lena breaking up with him just tossing him out of that limo <laughs> Mid drive, I just it was like, a Rolls Royce. I should clarify. That's, true. That's <laughs> thank you. Uh, I just feel like once you hire someone, you should just like maybe like give them a little time to settle in before uh, tossing. <laughs> That's them to true. The curb. He just started working there. <laughs> they just and and presumably he was a big get from yeah, uh, yeah. from the Daily Planet. Like they just poached him <laughs> in some ways from the Daily Planet. He's only his office wasn't even set up in the last episode it was like bare walls and already she's like get me what i want or i'll fire you <laughs> <laughs> she uh, she's uh it's tough love with cat grant <laughs> she got what she wanted though she did she sure yeah. did i like when um when Kara goes out to talk to him and she's like i really don't mind like doing the interview it's okay and he goes Oh, yeah, of course you would have been listening in on me. <laughs> like the moment where he goes like, wait, what are you? Oh, <laughs> super hearing. <laughs> yeah, he, he wouldn't understand that. Um, yeah. So one of the things that I thought was really interesting with Kat in this episode, just kind of 
going from like what we've been watching to now coming back to rewatching season one, there were a couple of things I thought were interesting. Um, so Kat calls Kara Kara in this episode. So now that we're going back through season one, I want to know when she starts calling her Kira. I want to I want to pin yeah, that down. I, I vaguely remembered that she sort of cycled through different pronunciations of her name. Um, and yeah, I don't feel like we've gotten to Kira quite yet, or at, or at least we haven't gotten to her settling on exclusively Kira. Yeah, Kira becomes like the name at some point, but I don't <laughs> think does. we've gotten there. But I but I do like it that it's Kara because her name is pronounced Kara, and there's you know that debate about you know different variations go with Kara, some go with Kara. So I like that uh, Kat is sort of mispronouncing it here as Kara, but it's not really wrong in a sense, but for, for this version of it, it is. It feels more like how you would actually mispronounce it if you weren't doing it on purpose, which right. clear, at some point she clearly is like, <laughs> like, Oh, mispronouncing your name is like a fun joke. You and I have. And Kara's is like, is it? <laughs> I also noticed that she uh, uses go, go, in this episode, at some point, I think she settles on, you know, chop, chop, I think is yeah, her, that's her true. sort of her trademark thing that she says. But here, here she doesn't say it, but she she does kind of a little go-go thing, which I thought was interesting. And the only other thing that, um, well, actually, there are two, I think, two other things. Um, Kara says something about how she thinks that Kat would recognize her as Supergirl in, in like one second. And maybe this is something we need to talk about in the in the third episode when they actually do her interview, because I have questions about whether or not you think that maybe she uh, does recognize her. Now, I guess we could talk about that a little bit here, Morgan. Do you think at this point in the show that Kat has already nailed down the car as Supergirl? What, what are your thoughts on that? I think it would be hilarious if that was true. Um, <laughs> just like immediately, she's like... Isn't that my assistant? <laughs> my coffee is always cold. Well, um, it was hot in this episode. It she was. It, it was. Out, yeah. She was like, look at that. <laughs> uh, you got the confidence, kid. Um, no, I, I, I don't think personally. I mean, it's hard to tell because Kat's definitely a character that keeps things close to the chest to like her close to like keeps her cards close to her chest. So I, I could see it either like either side I think could make an argument I don't think that she's put that together quite yet okay I'm I'm curious if that will change in the next episode for you because I have some thoughts on the next <laughs> the next episode nice I haven't watched I haven't watched ahead I'm experiencing this in real time <laughs> we've already watched these episodes but it's I been have, quite some time I have no memory don't worry <laughs> My memory is like Alex's after uh, after John like wipes <laughs> wipes Supergirl out. Just, it's just Swiss like cheese. There's there's just sort of a vague Supergirl shaped hole. I know stuff <laughs> happened. I don't remember the particulars. <laughs> yeah, so we are. Uh, it's almost like we're experiencing it for the first time. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll maybe uh, revisit this question in the next episode. I'd be curious to to hear what you thought. Uh, the only other thing that I had a question about that maybe I didn't ask the first time around, but so there's a scene where cat uh, has something that looks like a cat co article in like a sort of like a, a sleeve of some kind. And she hands it to Kara and she says something about uh, that Kara needs to get it prepped for a noon posting. And I had questions about uh, that. I, wait, I'm sorry. A posting to what? Uh, this, this is my question. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, they understand <laughs> that you don't just post magazines. Like, you don't, <laughs> car's not just opening up a window in the Catco Tower and just tossing out a sheet of... <laughs> Wait, what if, what if we thought this whole time that they were doing some sort of media conglomerate, but what they were really doing was like a real throwback to old-fashioned broadsheets, which they would then just toss out the windows <laughs> about, uh, around about noon when they had new things to cry on the corner. <laughs> what, what, if, what if, what if when we, can, when we can pull this back to the news gal, newsboy legion, because what if they just have like a bunch of news uh, newsies around, around the city Standing on street corners, like crying the news, like trying to sell papes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what would they say? Something like uh, extra, here, extra, he, or hear about it, hear you, or something. What would a town crier have said? I, I feel like the, I feel like the newsies would have been like extra, extra, Supergirl, not all that super. And then they've got like one single pamphlet page. <laughs> extra, are. extra. You're making it worse. You're making it worse. <laughs> and then they're just trying to they're just trying to give it to people on the street corner as they walk away. Is that is that what Catco was? <laughs> Catco being a town crier is so much better. <laughs> right? Because I really think we need to bring town criers back. That's my Oh, I opinion. wish. I wish. <laughs> just walking about your day. Oh, the news. Uh, but, but it like posting this up sounds to me like an internet thing. Like an online post. Like she's gonna write it up. So yeah. why would she need to print it? Then put it in one of those like transparent <laughs> sleeves and hand it to her to go somewhere with it. What Why wouldn't she just open up WordPress and start <laughs> typing in? Okay, public? I'm not. I'm not saying anything about Calista Flockhart, who is forever young to me. Yes, but what if Cat Grant is like one of those old people that like still prints out directions from MapQuest? Well, <laughs> I thought about that too. Like, what if she? What if she printed it out to see how she liked the layout? Maybe that mm -hmm. was a thing because sometimes people do that with true. magazines, for example, to see how it's going to like print on the page. Well, why, why couldn't you just like pull? The, uh, I just thought that was really weird. I it, it made me more confused about cat code than I ever was. So I was wondering what yeah, your thoughts I, were on that. I wasn't. I missed that line, or I, I, at least I didn't clue into that line. But yeah, I still, I still couldn't tell you the like the organizational structure of Catco. Like, what do they do? What kind of media? It's worldwide. Cool. Like, what, what, what do you do? But I feel is like it worldwide or die thinker? Like, <laughs> but don't they only cover national city? It does seem that way. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the worldwide does seem deceptive in the title. <laughs> So, uh, so I was very confused about that with Cat Grant, but, um, but yeah, so, uh, there was, uh, Kara's, uh, sort of struggle with her being a superhero. How did you, how did you think that she did with that? How do you think she handled that? I thought she handled it pretty well. Um, I, I like that she struggled. Uh, I like my like superheroic characters to not be perfect at their jobs and not have all the answers because you know people don't and uh i like to see her kind of fall down on the job and not quite know what she was doing and have to kind of learn on the fly and and learn that like not everything has to be you know destroying a ship by accident or you know putting out a huge fire it can also be 
you know, getting into the community and saving people um, on a smaller level or, you know, saving pets or and so, things like that. Smaller things that she can kind of build up her brand, so to speak, <laughs> uh, so that people are more trustworthy when she needs to come in and do the bigger things and, and kind of build up. It's kind of a, it, it's in many ways, she's learning on the job like anyone does, which is like you don't start day one as like CEO unless you're like the child of a rich person. Uh, but for the rest of us, we have to start like entry level and build up those skills and then take the next step. And I think Carr was trying to jump to, you know, really advanced stuff, uh, you know, day two, and it kind of bit her. Uh, and then she had to go back and kind of, uh, kind of start, you know, start from the ground up. And I liked that uh, training scene with Alex uh, because Alex said, Hey, like when I first started at the DEO, I had to be in here for months training uh, and a year before she on. could go out into the What is her time? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. Oh, no. No D part of her timeline makes sense. <laughs> was that during her drunken phase or was that while she was in medical school? I don't. <laughs> we, we really need to draw it out at some point and actually <laughs> make chart it. <laughs> Chart. I think it would help me visually if I could actually see it. Chart her timeline and be like, how? <laughs> uh, when Alex was, uh, that year that Alex spent uh, bending time and space uh, when she was training. But I, I like that she taught uh, Supergirl, like, how to fight a foe with superior strength. And then you think, why would Supergirl ever need to know that? And then later in the episode, when she's fighting Astra, suddenly it's like, hey, that that lesson that Alex taught me suddenly is useful. The writing actually... Look at around in us. It went somewhere. Connecting. It even <laughs> contradicted itself in the, in the scene. Um, so that's that's really cool that uh, that Alex has a part to play in this to actually teach Supergirl something. And I, I'm with you. I like that Supergirl had somewhere to go as a character. And I think it's actually appropriate for Supergirl because a lot of people think that Superman should have everything together all the time. He should be perfect. He never makes mistakes. He should never have any doubts. Um, he should never have any problems. But Supergirl, you can you can have her make some mistakes because that's kind of part of her characters that uh, sometimes she's a little brash and does some things maybe before she should be doing it. And what I liked about Kat in this episode is that Kat is one of the, the ones who Alex helps her in the training session, but, uh, but Kat's the one who's like, you need to chill out. She doesn't say that. Uh, maybe I kind of think she thinks that Cara is a girl, <laughs> but she, uh, but she says something like uh, if she was going to advise Supergirl, she would say, you know, chill out, slow down. And um, I, I like that Kara um, took her advice. She didn't see that as uh, mean spirited or anything like that. She respected Kat enough to say, oh, well, Kat thinks maybe I should do this. Maybe I should try that. And it totally revitalizes her whole perspective on being Supergirl and changes her approach to it. And it makes it better. So I, I, I missed I think when I was watching this, I missed season one's uh, approach to the storytelling because season one focused a lot on cat mentoring Kara and Kara having someone she could talk to about these things and who would help her grow as a character. And you, I, I didn't really get that on to the rest of the season. And at some point, maybe you don't need that, but I really liked 
Cat mentoring her, both as Kara and as Supergirl. And I, I just, I, I really fell back into that with this episode. Yeah, I love that con- the uh, the connection between Cat and Kara. I think it's so so nice to see Kara have a mentor, even though Cat is you know dismissive and very cat like, and and she's not going to say anything special for Kara. But she does, you know, she gives her really good advice, which is she's a, you know Supergirl is is trying to do too much too fast, and she needs to like calm down. And I think. Car immediately sees the value in that advice. And I do miss that aspect of, you know, later in the series, we see Cara be a mentor to, to Nia and Dreamer. But after Cat leaves, we really don't ever get that kind of mentor relationship again. And at least not in the same way. Like there, you could make an argument that sometimes Jean is a mentor, uh, but I think he's more like a replacement father figure. And yeah, I would agree with that. I guess like Snapper, I guess you could make a very vague like that Snapper was supposed to be the new Cat Grant. But then they gave up on him about halfway through (laughs) and then they snapped him off to wherever (laughs) and never, never brought him back. They were like, where's Snapper? And people were like, "Uh, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think Snapper was actually a boss and not necessarily a mentor. I don't know that he really uh played that same kind of role um i I did want to address something here in the chat uh daryl says someone a long time ago made a great point that Kara shouldn't have been sore once she is out of the uh like the kryptonite room and uh and she's recovered but after that she uh goes in to chat with cat grant about how cat suggested that she go work out and (laughs) car uses that (laughs) as cover for being sore um, but I agree with that. I, I, I don't think uh, Kara is a Kryptonian. Once she's out of that Kryptonite room, she should be fine. So I don't know why she was sore like that. I also see that uh, Miss Fiction Fanatic in the chat says uh, the article that Kat was holding was for the National City Tribune. Yeah, I don't dispute that it was for the newspaper. I just don't know why she handed her a printed out thing and said it needed <laughs> to be to the, the newspaper n- posting. Like what? Also, uh, and I, and I hate to say, I hate to be in this, but like I don't think that are there additions anymore to newspapers or is there like a morning and an evening edition? That's a lot. That's a lot of print. That's like a lot of, I mean, print media is, I don't want to say dying, but certainly not doing great. It's good. It's on the way out. It's not doing morning and noon edition. Good (laughs) for sure. That's Uh, a lot. I don't believe that there is a noon edition to the National City Tribune. I think at the most you would have done like a morning and an evening. And, e- that, and even, even that's a lot. Even that stretches credulity at this yeah. point. And it's, and even back, you know, five years ago, it, it's not like the downturn has been that fast. It's It was already not in a great place in 20, what, 15, 2016. So... Yeah, I th- yeah, it's very strange. I'm so side eyeing that. <laughs> confused about Catco. Always have been, always will be. Uh I, I did want to point out something here. Uh Miss Fiction Fanatic um mentions the Supergirl timeline, how it's never been consistent. And some episodes Kara said she came to Earth at 13, and different episodes she came here at 12. What I thought was really interesting about the timeline in this episode was that at the very beginning of the episode, she says uh, she's doing her Supergirl narration, and she says it's been a week since she revealed herself as Supergirl, which I was like, hmm. huh, I, wa- I, I, I don't want to give uh, 
the writer's credit because sometimes in season six, I think they were just winging it and making things up. But uh, but for her to say in episode two that she revealed herself uh, as Supergirl, I thought was kind of now looking back on it, knowing how the series ends and the end of the show, she's actually revealing herself as Cara Danvers. I thought was kind of an interesting, I I don't oh, know that cool. that was intentional. Definitely um, not, but I like that it works. <laughs> but, but it does, I think, give it a little bit of a uh, kind of an opposite end of the spectrum and that she's revealed her, her both of her identities uh, at some point to National City. So I said, I feel like since the chat has been talking about uh, logical inconsistencies and like timeline <laughs> issues and things that were different in season one and then never spoken of again, um, the Helgramite in this episode. Yes. Now, later on in the show, we see another Helgramite, right? Like, am I making that up? Yes, he, he uh, murders Mercy Graves. That's right. That's right. where okay. we see him again. Yes. So where was he getting the uh, the his food to eat? Because they made a big point about the fact that these Helgramites can only exist on, what was it? DDT. DDT. Mm-hmm. Which is like in nuclear power plants and like not many other places. And they're apparently decommissioning some of those things and, and getting rid of it. And so they're like, oh, his food source is going away. And I was like, but yet, years later, we still see a bunch of them. So where are they eating? <laughs> I guess they figured out uh, something. Maybe they uh, found something else to eat. Did they, they like, did maybe they this make, is like, a good a, substitute. Did they make like a DDT sizzler somewhere that the Helgramites <laughs> They just to? churn it out all the time. <laughs> Endless salad bars of DDT. I mean, I just, I was just like, hmm, that never comes back up again. So... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, that to that to me signals that he was only meant to be in that one episode. That's yeah. I didn't think that. I was like, why would you? I mean, I feel like maybe just don't bring that particular alien species back again. But that was. It's, it's funny. It's funny the things we fixated on because that was the one that I fixated on where I was like, but they said his food source is going away. <laughs> but then suddenly there were so many more of them. Shouldn't there have been lots of them? Uh, so. Well, what the I stuff sort that of I focus on is is also just nonsense. <laughs> well, what's funny about the Helgramite to me is that uh, when when we initially discussed this episode on Supergirl Radio, I was uh, not working with museums and entomologists, so I didn't have some of the knowledge about Helgramites that I do now. Uh, but now, having uh, uh, learned a few bug facts. Uh, here and there <laughs> and trying to become more <laughs> bug friendly because of uh, what I do during the day. Uh, Helgramites are actually water bugs. And they, and there was a, there was a line in the episode where uh, somebody says like uh, he was hiding under a rock. Helgramites sometimes will do that in the water. They'll actually kind of attach themselves to a rock and you can pick up a rock and flip it over and you'll see Helgramite there. But I, I now knowing a little bit about Helgramites, I don't know a ton. I just really know that they're water bugs. I thought it was weird that they didn't show him like in the water somewhere. Uh, I don't know. That's probably a real nitpick, but uh, 
but now that I know about uh, <laughs> a little bit about real world Helgrimides, I, I kind of thought that was a little strange. Oh, so I see uh, Sam Gutierrez in the chat says, the show said the Helgrimite was chlorine-based. Could he have been eating other chlorine-based chemicals other than DDT? Was he just like sipping up swimming pool water? What, <laughs> what if What if all the Helgrimites were like, we've been going about this all wrong. Pool party. And like... <laughs> Because I get, if it's a chlorine situation, then they're going to be fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's they enough just... backyard pools to to keep them alive for ages. Oh, yeah. They, and they and they they could go hang out at other people's pools. They just go down to the YMCA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They would never run out of a source if they just drank chlorine all the time. I think I think that that, that explains it. I think that fills in that whole plot hole. Okay. I mean, it wasn't even a plot hole. It was just like, <laughs> haven't we seen? I, I think I, I think it was a plot hole. DDT again. <laughs> I was like, no one else would ever think about this except like when you're rewatching it six years later and you're like, hmm, I feel I seem like I remember. Uh, but that, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was interesting because I was like, oh, we've seen that alien race again. Yeah, Donna says there was just one Helgramite. Um, my question to that, because I think we maybe had this conversation on Supergirl Radio at one point, because he, he it looks like he kills himself because he like stabs himself and it looks like he's dead. And mm. then the Helgramite shows back up in season four and murders Mercy Graves. And I'll never forgive him for that. How dare he? <laughs> How dare he? Uh, so I always assumed that there was just another Helgramite out there. Okay, so mm-hmm. I am on now. The uh, I'm deep down this rabbit hole. <laughs> I am uh, on the Arrow uh, f- uh, fandom wiki page for mm-hmm. Helgramites for Supergirl. Yes. And I'm seeing uh, appearances uh, season one, season two, season three, season four, season five, which can't be right. That's not possible. Uh, it can't be right. I feel like Okay, so season one is stronger <laughs> together. Season two, they're mentioned in Mr. and Mrs. Mizzy's Pidlick. Uh, in season three, they're mentioned on Crisis on Infinite Earth X, and then back in season four, and then video footage in, in the bottle episode of season five. I so, don't have any recollection of that. I mean, if it says so. Uh, <laughs> it must be right. Known Helgramites unnamed that's kind of that's kind of brutal they couldn't yeah. they couldn't have given him a name like bob or theodore <laughs> <laughs> i'll try to see if i can get justice league to come on supergirl radio i had him come on for a, a work thing uh where we talked about Helgramites. uh so maybe i'll reach back out to justice league and, and let him get the uh the full supergirl radio experience so maybe we'll we'll have to <laughs> co- have him come on and we can ask him all of uh our Helgramite questions. Nice. Uh, to see to see uh what he he how he explains all of this. Excuse me, sir. Was he drinking chlorine? <laughs> <laughs> how did he survive <laughs> between those seasons? We'll we'll work that out. Maybe we can try to see if uh see if we can get him back uh on, well get him on Super Radio. I'll see if I, I can get him back on something else I'm doing. Uh but yeah, so what maybe we'll try that in the future. Um so speaking of the villains. Uh, so Helgramite was sort of like kind of the one-off villain, but he wasn't the only villain in the episode. So Morgan, what did you think about Astra and uh, the other Kryptonian Fort Ross escapees? I really, I mean, I like Astra in this episode because she is like full on evil. 
She is giving me like face. She is giving me like, I don't care. I am an evil queen. Uh, <laughs> there's like a moment where she's like, oh, Cara, it's been so long. And Cara's like, Aunt Asher. And then she's like, boom, and like punches her. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> there's there's not a lot of time where she's like, hey, it's good to see you. Uh, it's right into the fighting. Uh, but I do think that there's, it's definitely emotional uh, and I like the way that they sort of played it with with Kara and and Astra and it being it turning out to be about Kara's mom, uh, which is kind of making her question like how did how much did I know my mom and like how what is Astra and Astra talking about and and I like the uh, I think uh, Astra says something about or 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 Kara says something about like all that time I used to spend on your lap like talking to you when I was young and and you can really feel that they had a connection that, you know, that Kara liked her aunt and, uh, and, and, but then didn't know why she just disappeared. She thought she had died on Krypton. She was like, no, because your mom put me in jail. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And that's gotta be a little surprising to hear about your family. Like, Oh, uh, that's why Aunt Astra didn't come to Christmas. Uh, (laughs) So I I really liked the way that they played up the family dynamic in this episode. Um, And I like her sort of back and forth with Alex where she like, you know, says Alex's, like oh you're pretty brave for your species and like that humans are so breakable and then the way that she freaks out when she gets uh stabbed with the kryptonite uh, knife like she's like nothing should hurt me (laughs) so so do you think that all of this was uh planned in advance because there's some foreshadowing there because if you recall in season one i don't want to Spoil it for for you, Morgan. <laughs> well, my memory's not that bad. <laughs> but Alex and Astra uh, have a, a a showdown, and that's how Astra ends up uh, maybe not being on the show anymore. Or it, on it, Mars. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so and uh, so there's 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 that that comes at the end of the season. So to me, if that if that was planned out like right at the get go. I think that's really interesting. Like they thought, I mean, I don't, I, I, I really wish we could talk to somebody early on, like an Ali Adler to answer some of those questions about plotting out the first season. Cause it seems given their interaction in this episode, it seems like they had that in mind that Alex and, and Astra would have a, uh, a budding of heads later. Yeah. On. And I wouldn't be surprised if they had at least planned it out towards like the big moments in season one, like knowing where they were going to as the season progressed, like not everything um, I I feel like was probably planned, but I could definitely see them talking about breaking the season and saying like, and then as we get towards the end, maybe Alex and Astra have like a confrontation. So setting that up early on to have, you know, Astra and Alex sort of have this like episode two meeting and, and confrontation and, and Alex recognize her, I thought was also a cool, uh, a cool thing where she, you know, because she's seen the, the projection of, uh, of Alora, she recognizes Astra. And she saw that in the previous episode, this, while we're talking about this, it's sort of blowing my mind that it's also well-written and the things, <laughs> the things that we're talking about are so very basic. It's like, 
taking something that happened in the first episode and connecting it to the second episode and then plotting out something at the beginning of the season and having it come back at the end of the season. Those are very basic TV writing things to do. And for some reason, it's like mind-blowingly great to me. <laughs> well, some of that stuff had sort of fallen by the wayside <laughs> by the time that they were doing the... Uh, Oh, what was the doodad that they were? They had to collect them all in season. Oh, six. the totems. The totems. Yeah. By the time they were, they were putting all together the, the Rubik's cube of season <laughs> six. They had, they had kind of thrown some of that basic story structure out the window. <laughs> we were, we were podcasting about it every single week, and I could not draw you a map of how that storyline worked. <laughs> <laughs> so this one seemed quite, you know, it's like okay, there's a there's a personal connection for the character. Um, we're building up the character and and seeing what she's about. The villain has to do with her backstory, which is great because it allows us to, you know, explore Kara's backstory and Krypton and her, you know, her heritage. All that stuff is like it's it's really great. Like, how about when you connect stuff really con- tightly with the main character, and then you're telling if you're even if you're telling stories about the villain, you're telling stories about the main character. How about that? <laughs> and it's also simple. It's nothing so complicated that you have a hard time, or at least for me, I can't speak about uh, speak. Uh, I never for once else. had to feel like I had to draw a flow chart to figure out like what <laughs> Astra was up to. <laughs> I don't know. Just while we were talking about it, I was like, "Wow, this is really good," and uh, it, this this shouldn't be so uh, uh, remarkable to me, but it is. It is very good. It's very solid. Um, speaking of villains, uh, there was another villain that mm, maybe we could argue about whether he was a villain or not. Uh, but we get the introduction of, uh, Mr. Maxwell Lord. Uh, oh, he, he, right. he didn't pop up for too long. Um, but, uh, did you have any thoughts on the, uh, sort of the teaser for Maxwell Lord? He just sort of popped up on the TV, I think. Um, yeah, and, uh, they talk about how Wynn is a big fan of Maxwell mm-hmm. Lord. He's, he's bought his watches. And, and his, his biography and his autobiography. <laughs> I definitely feel like Maxwell Lord is somebody who would have already had an autobiography out. Like, <laughs> My Life by Maxwell Lord. <laughs> uh, which is also that maybe the name of his signature scent. But <laughs> no, I, I I mean, I like I liked the, uh, the little teaser we got of Maxwell Lord. I think the next episode or the episode after that is heavier on him. But I think... We got just enough of him to be like, oh, that guy seems kind of smart, swarmy, and like, I don't know if I like that guy. And then we'll get more of him later. But I, I think I thought it was a good introduction to not overload the episode with like a million villains and but give a tease of like another one that's that's going to be coming. And I guess, you know, spoiler alert for season one, he's never a full out villain. He's more like a morally gray to like towing the villain line. Um, but certainly he's not a great guy. Um, so, so it was good to get like an introduction of him, but it didn't take over the whole episode and it didn't make it feel too cluttered. I think it was like more of a teaser than anything. Yeah. It was a good use of world building. Uh, they, they kind of 
introduced us to the character and showed, okay, this guy is out there. He's he's a part of the known world of National City in, in this version of the DC universe. He's he's somebody that people look up to. He's out there. He's on the news. Uh, that's hosted by Perd Happily. So, <laughs> so there's a there's there's a world bu- building aspect to that that I like that that when we encounter Maxwell Lord, we already know who he is and kind of what his what his deal is and how he connects to everything. So I, I thought that that was handled well. Yeah, I, I I was also just thinking about like how much I liked some of the guest actors that they had in season one. So. Um, the actor who plays Maxwell Lord, who, of course, I'm blanking on his name, Peter Fascinelli. Fascinelli. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I really liked him in that role. Laura Bernanti as uh, Astra slash Alora is really great. I mean, I think what a what a powerhouse actress and like in the Alora parts, you can really feel for her. But in the Astra part, she can really go from like being understandable to being like evil uh and really play that dynamic so i just really liked the uh they did a great job casting season one like uh, i think we've always said that like one of the strengths of this show really was in the casting like i can't imagine a a different you know i can't imagine a different car or a different alex or martian manhunter or lena or anything like that the casting i think was great and even in season one the casting for the for the villains and for the, you know, the side characters, I think were so strong. Yeah, I think uh, they all really committed to the parts, even if it's a, a little mustache twirling with Astra. But even if it's mustache twirling, <laughs> I really loved it. There's a there's a point where she says something like she calls herself Supergirl. You know, she kind of really like rubs <laughs> it in. And uh, so even if it's a little bit on the edge of being a little campy, I think it works for some of those uh, performances. So uh, so, yeah, the villains are really, really good uh, before we move on, because I want to talk about James a little bit. Uh, but CM Gutierrez uh, 74 uh, asked, do you think Maxwell Lord knew Lex Luthor socially on Earth 38, possibly sharing some anti-alien sentiments? So what are your thoughts on that, Morgan? I could see it. I mean, I feel like they're both they're both rich and they're both full of themselves. So I don't <laughs> I don't know that they were like they didn't. I don't know that they liked each other. I feel like the competitors, maybe. maybe? Uh, yeah, I feel like the opposite probably would be like they would both think that they have the answer to the alien problem um, and that they probably wouldn't have gotten along very well because I feel like once you get like that into once you start buying your own hype that much, like you can't you wouldn't be able to be like, well, that Maxwell Lord has a good idea because he's like Lex Luthor and he's like, no. <laughs> so yeah. but I can, I can imagine them being like, um, uh, <laughs> uh, evil version of Cat Grant and the way that she feels about Lois Lane. Yes. Like, they're like, oh, well, Lex Luthor said this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think they were probably more competitors and maybe not somebody who, would who would hang out with each other because Maxwell Lord had had a little something something with Cat Grant, so oh, that's that's, right. that's who he was hanging out with socially. <laughs> uh, so I don't Wing think Lex, I don't think Lex Luther was running in those uh, social circles because uh, I I don't think Lex would have put up with the two of them. I think Lex would have thought he was better than them, but I think they probably were sort of technological competitors to save to save the world from the alien. Uh, invasion from Krypton. Yeah, 
That's a good question, though. Um, okay, so Morgan, uh, just to get your thoughts on this, because this was something that was built up in season one and then uh, sort of uh, pushed aside and was never spoken again, <laughs> uh, so, uh, spoken about again. Uh, so Cara and James uh, are, you know, be, uh, getting to know each other a little better in this episode, and they have a, a, a few pep talks, as it were. So what did you think about their dynamic in uh, Stronger Together? Yeah, before I get into their dynamic, I do want to say I like the way that the Super Friends start to come together in episode two. Uh, one of the things I really appreciated about Supergirl is that it didn't do the Smallville thing where, like, five seasons in, one person finally learns the secret. <laughs> and you're like, great, now Pete knows. And Pete's like, would you like some Trident? And <laughs> you're, you're like... Great. Now Pete knows. Uh, <laughs> uh, in the in the pilot, she's like, it's, I feel like the show's pretty clear. Like, we're not going to do this thing where, you know, uh, all the characters don't know her secret for seasons and seasons. They decided to do that later, but just with Lena. Uh, <laughs> and it was a chore, uh, honestly. But I was glad that they didn't do it. I, I There's a version of this show where, like, Nobody but Alex knows her secret. And that version of the show, I think, would have been way more annoying <laughs> as she had to be like, oh, hold on, I got to go. And like just disappeared all the time. And then Wynn was mad at her and James was mad at her and everything was secrets and lies. And so <laughs> I appreciate that like in episode two, she has James and Wynn go out to the alleyway and she's basically like, hey, you both know we're all friends and they're like, I'm not friends with him <laughs> uh, because obviously there's some romantic tension there. Um, and then uh, later on, Alex, she opens the door to Alex and Alex is like, seriously, when she sees, <laughs> <laughs> she sees them in there, she's like, I don't think it's a good idea that you told all your friends. And Cara is like, but they're my friends. <laughs> and, and Alex is like, Oh my God, this is why you spend two to five to 15 years training. <laughs> all at the same time <laughs> um but yeah no the season one was definitely like james was the love interest and they were trying to get you to invest in that in that pairing between the two of them and Kara had the little crush on james and james was kind of uh be uh, giving her advice based on you know what he what he had experienced with with Clark and being, you know, Jimmy Olsen from uh, from the Daily Planet and kind of blowing up, but feeling like he hadn't blown up because of himself, but just because of like the heroics of other people. He wanted to um, be James, the grown man. Also, he was like, "It's time for me to move out, to break out on my own, and to be grown, to be grown, <laughs> a grown man. I'm not Jimmy. Look at how tall I am." <laughs> You wouldn't call a tall man like this, Jimmy. <laughs> I don't wear bow ties anymore. Anymore, I wear wear full length ties. <laughs> he's like, he's like, look at me. <laughs> I'm grown, and then he starts crying. Um, but but I thought, yeah, they're so they're really trying to play up the the romance angle between Kara and James. It's not like I feel like I'm tainted by knowing that they gave up on this romance, <laughs> like so very quickly for unknown reasons we'll just never know uh because there was no reason uh and it was so abrupt in in season two where it's like well goodbye <laughs> like they just they kind of like look at each other shake hands and say and she's like 
good day, sir. And he's like, good day. And uh, and off they go. Um, That's not far off. It's really not. Uh, but in season one, they're really playing it up. They're playing up this, you know, she's got a crush on him. And does he like her? We were trying to kind of feel him out. There was definitely some romantic tension, I think, on that balcony scene where, do, you know. Do, did you... Were you were you was it the, were you picking it, it up on it like crackling <laughs> chemistry? No, it was not. Okay. Um, I thought they had okay chemistry. Um, and I think that's the case in this episode as well. Like they're okay. Uh, the show's not selling me on them being like this great couple. I I really want to root for, but it is early days in the season. So I mean, and the episode two is trying to do like a lot of stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't think that they've, they've really quite, you know, got them to, like, they're not Jim and Pam, let's put it that way. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> not, not like, not many are. <laughs> please get together. I'm just Our like early Jim and Pam, not, not the Jim and Pam later on in the series where they're like, oh, did one of them have an affair with somebody else? Like <laughs> I was, I was done with that Jim and Pam. Forget that, that was, Jim and Pam. That, oh my God. That, that show really could have, uh, really could have gone off of a, a cliff and <laughs> thankfully did not. But <laughs> well, it's, it's funny with James. I don't know if it's Makad Brooks. I don't know, but like, I, I am a little in our rewind. I'm a little invested in James and Kara and I I was invested in James and Lena. I think it was the only one who watched <laughs> the show who was like, James and Lena. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> and so maybe it's just McCod Brooks is selling it for me. I don't know. But, uh, but I do like the idea that he uh, helps her with the uh, knowledge of almost how to be a superhero, but more so like how to see the city because she just kind of, I like that scene where she's look. He tells her to look outside the window, and she's like, oh, "I see buildings." And that guy down the street who cards me every time I go into the, the restaurant. <laughs> I love that detail. And, uh, I love it. She's like, "He knows how old I am. He uh, knows how old I am." Melissa Benoist her line is so del- good. Delivery on that is so, so good. <laughs> she's so good. Um, even even in the uh, scene where she has to fake like she's laughing about the cat video. God, Melissa Benoist was just so good when they gave so her good. stuff to do. Uh, but in that <laughs> scene where he um, sort of reframes that view for her, I thought was really great. And I could see why she as a character, why Kara would start to fall for him a little bit because he believes so much in her, not just as Supergirl, but and is and um, in her as Kara as someone who can make a difference because later on in the episode uh, after she's starting to get a get a few W's um, <laughs> uh, she says something to the effect of oh they're really starting to believe in her and James says believe in you like he I think really believes in her as um, someone who can uh, make a difference and not just with the cape so I, I, I'm at this point I'm I'm starting to pull for James and Kara I'm knowing I know I'm going to be devastated uh, <laughs> at the beginning of season two, but uh, but that's uh, that's kind of where I am uh, so far in the rewind. Yeah, I think we're starting to see James and Kara like get to know each other a little bit more, uh, because it's kind of hard to come from like with all of our knowledge of the show and remember that like at this point they had kind of barely know- knew each other. He's brand new. Of course, Kat's already firing him, so good signs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he just moved to National City. He's, like, trying to be a, a, his grown man self. 
And so like, they don't really know each other that well. They don't have the back, the backstory that like her and Wynn have where they've been friends for years. Uh, James is kind of new to her life. So I think I, I like that they have them get kind of getting to know each other in this episode and, and having him give her advice and having him tell her about his, you know, his view on things and how he's kind of feeling. Uh, I, I think that's, it's all good. It's all good build up. Uh, the fact that it goes nowhere is kind of tainting it, but yeah. uh, I think at this point, like, you know, they're, they're doing what they should be doing in, in building a like relationship between these two characters. Yeah. Uh, the, one of the things that I thought was interesting in the looking back in the rewind aspect of this is that uh, Kara on that scene with uh, James towards the end of the episode, uh, Kara says something like, you know, J- uh, when and I are going to go back to my place and we're going to listen to the scanner uh, for for more super friend activities, and I don't know about you, but I I started thinking about young Kara in season six with young Kara and Kenny Lee and how they were going around supering together, and I um, I thought about that. Not that they had planned that out in season one, probably that uh, young Kara was going to be like that too. But uh, me trying to reconcile the timeline of Kara's life. Uh, could she have been in that moment on that balcony catco balcony reflecting back and and getting back into the days of her time with Kenny Lee and trying to uh be a superhero kind of on the side with her friends like i don't know oh, i was yeah. just i was just having that thought while no, I, like I was watching that. it yeah i like i like that they they've set that sort of up in the later season that there was like you know she she did the super friend thing with her, you know, with Kenny and, and everybody in, in, in high school. And that, so this, this idea, yeah, that she might like fall right back into, you know, superheroing again, just like she had back in the past, even though obviously this is a pre-crisis timeline. Yes. And I don't think this is really but <laughs> connected intentionally, but that's what I thought of. But I do like it. I, I like thinking about that. Cause I like, I like that post-crisis, the one post-crisis thing I like is that uh, you know she had that that support system in high school post crisis with Kenny and and him knowing about her powers and and them you know adventuring together and superheroing and stuff like that so yeah I like that idea of you know her getting right back to like listening to the scanner for <laughs> for trouble <laughs> <laughs> um, okay so Morgan are there any other things that we did not talk about that you wanted to discuss about this episode. Um, no, I think that that covers most of most of the episode. I really enjoyed this one. I think that they they balanced setting up Supergirl really well with uh, setting up the villains and, and giving you a little bit more of their backstory, like Astra's backstory and and the fort, some of the Fort Ross escapees. And I think it leaves you on a really good cliffhanger, which is very key, especially for like an early season of a TV show is like. Why am I coming back next week? Well, I mean, Cat Grant is going to interview Supergirl. Yeah, what's going to happen? What's she going to ask her? Yeah, and I I really like the way they did that, too, to where uh, Supergirl surprises Cat by lifting up her car and taking <laughs> her to a remote location so that they could uh, be by themselves and not have to be around any other public area. I, I, I thought that was really I feel cool. like Kat should have um, should have appreciated how overly dramatic that was. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we'll have to re uh, uh, rewind to uh, episode three to find out what they talk about. What does Cat ask her? I don't know. We'll have to figure that out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I like this episode. I think this is um, uh, a really strong just episode of television uh, in general. And I I think the ideas that they planted in this episode. I think for the most part, the people who came in to to show run and write after um, season one, I think they still tried to maintain some of these these ideas, like the El Mayara and the Stronger Together idea. Um, I, I like that the the Stronger Together idea was not just Supergirl and the Super Friends; it was also connected to Astra and her Fort Ross escapee buddies. That was also something they were trying to uh, maintain uh, an El Mayara uh, between them. So I thought that that was a, a strong through line throughout the episode. And uh, so I, I thought that they did a good job of uh, making that sort of thematic throughout the episode. And I also liked, I don't know that I, I discussed this um, when Teresa and I talked about it, but the idea that uh, Kara and Alex... Uh, our sisters and Asher and Allura are sisters and they have a, a discussion about whether or not, you know, uh, Astra maybe believed in, uh, oh no, uh, Allura believed in Astra and there was a discussion of whether or not Alex actually believed in Kara. And so I thought the, uh, the sister connection there, I don't know that I had really made that connection before that, um, but they had the parallels between them. I thought was really nice. Yeah, I, I I like the uh, the whole explanation of the El Mayara in this episode as well. That the crest isn't just you know a thing that her and 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 Clark wear. It's you know it stands for you know that that phrase and stronger together. And I think she kind of talks about Cl uh, Superman being more of a lone wolf figure, kind of going it alone, and she knows that like the way that she stands out is that she doesn't want to do that. Uh, and she wants to kind of be surrounded by people and, and work with her, you know, her friends and her family. I think that's, you know, it, it, Supergirl, the TV show <laughs> straight away from Supergirl a little bit, but it did stick to that idea that she, she wanted to surround herself with people and she didn't want to be like, a lone wolf um, doing her own superheroing. And she also talks about um, another thing that differentiates herself from Superman, which I think early on in a Supergirl show, when a lot of people don't have a frame of reference for Supergirl, is pretty smart to be like, this is the way she's different than Superman. Yeah, and, I appreciate and she, that. And she spells it out. She says, you know, uh, James, I think, says, oh, Clark never really talked about Krypton. And she was like, well, he wouldn't have remembered it. He was a baby. Like, I remember it every day. Like, I still have very clear memories of Krypton. And you can kind of see that, it, that she remembers her culture and she remembers her family from Krypton. And I think that's also a through line of season one is that, you know, she's having this, this dramatic fight with her aunt but like if, if we were talking about superman like he wouldn't have remembered if his like if his aunt popped up and she, she was evil he'd just be like oh uh but <laughs> she has actual memories of like spending time with with uh this family member who's now you know turned bad so i think being able to, it's a smart idea to to tie it to some something that's different between her and superman which is that she remembers krypton and in my opinion, that's why she's a better character than Superman. But that's just me. Maybe a little bit of bias. Controversial. It's a hot take. It's a hot take. But yeah, I think the show did a really good job er early on 
making the show not only about Supergirl, but helping the audience understand what Supergirl's story was and who she was as a character. I, I don't know that they really cared about that so much later on in the series, but in these early seasons, and especially in season one, they made a really good effort to differentiate her from Cal and uh, making her story really the focus. And so uh, that's why I like these early seasons and season one, season one is so great to, to go back and rewatch because it feels like a completely different show in a lot of ways. Uh, and it's a show I enjoy watching. So uh, I guess uh, we'll, we'll have to continue our rewind uh, to see what happens. Um, there are a couple of questions in the chat. I thought we could get to real quick before we wrap up our discussion. Uh, CM Gutierrez 74 uh, says comment about James when James is being sad on the balcony about possibly losing his job. He lets you know that he doesn't feel unique. Maybe it foreshadowed the creation of guardian in season two. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. One I would love to ask somebody about uh, how far in advance they <laughs> planned the guardian thing. Uh, but yeah, I think James uh, and Jimmy Olsen as a character is always sort of, uh, searching for a way to uh, have maybe some not I don't want to say purpose, but uh, having uh, kind of to deal with the fact that he's a sidekick in a lot of ways. And how does how does he deal with that where, you know, he's surrounded by all these superheroes and all these su superhero characters all the time. Of course, I would argue that the strength of the James Olsen character, especially on Supergirl, is that he was the everyman. He was he was the guy who could save the day or do the right thing without having to be a superhero. But I, I would maybe make that case for several characters on the show. Uh, but uh, but that is not the direction that they took him in. Uh, but yeah, I guess uh, if you wanted to look at it from that angle, it could be uh, foreshadowing of season two. I just don't know how much of that was intentional. Uh, Miss Fiction Fanatic also says, I like El Mayara, but doesn't the S stand for hope in Kryptonian? Uh, it does in terms of the uh, Mark Wade version from Birthright, I think is when that origin uh, originated that the S shield uh, stood for hope. Uh, you can find that in the uh, Superman comic, Superman Birthright, uh, but not all iterations of the uh, character or the Superman family uh, have adopted that. It's now become something that's sort of standard, but Supergirl, the TV series, went a different direction. Uh, do we have any more questions? I guess maybe that is kind of it. I think that sort of wraps up. I think we got all of our questions that I could see in there. So uh, I guess uh, we could just uh, wrap it up here saying that I, I think we both enjoy, I think it's fair to say that we both enjoyed this episode. It's a good one. It's a good one. And uh, I guess we'll have to find out next time what uh, what Cat and Supergirl talk about uh, together in their uh, secret mountainous uh, interview. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, Morgan, do you want to get to a piece of uh, listener feedback that we have? Sure. Uh, Mike from St. Louis sent us an email saying, hello, favorite highlights of my week. Regarding the recent review of Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow number four, as I listened, I found myself feeling bad for the Kara of Earth X in the Arrowverse crossover. All the other Spurs get to use the sun as some sort of spa or stress relief screaming chamber. Uh, <laughs> X Kara went and ended up with a case of nuclear bomb heartburn. Maybe that's what happens when you just get too close, as she stated she did, rather than go all the way in. 
Yeah, so I think uh, Mike here is referring to Overgirl, who, if you uh, remember the uh, Crisis on Earth X crossover, she is trying to get uh, uh, Supergirl's heart for herself because her heart is no good and she has to uh, take it from her. And I, Overgirl is actually one of my favorite villains in all of uh, Supergirl's story in the Arrowverse. She is deliciously evil. Um, so I don't know that I have too much sympathy for her, but Mike is correct that basically <laughs> she, she goes up in the uh, air and explodes. So she doesn't have the advantage of uh, using the sun to, to heal her. That's uh, true. Yeah. I, I like him referring to the sun as like a, a stress relief screaming chamber. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what they use it for sometimes. Uh, so those are all really good points um, and gave us a chance to talk about uh, Overgirl again, which I enjoy. Um, so uh, I guess now, Morgan, do you want to uh, get I into think we gotta do some, some snap, snap judgments. judgments? In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. Okay, our first snap judgment is who was the better villain in this episode, Ashra or the Helgermite? I, I mean, I would say Astra, although the the wire work wasn't as good. Some, <laughs> some of the fighting there was not so great towards the end, but I think she was more fun to watch, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm going to go with Astra, too. I feel like she she took her opportunity to choose some of the scenery to really like she's like, I'm bad. And uh, and she really like committed to that. And I, I respect that. Um, yeah. Okay, who would you rather who would you rather train you as a superhero? James or Win? I think I would go with James because he like uh, Win was talking in a very technical way, uh, a lot of statistics and uh math and some, you know, physics or something, but James was like breaking it down I and mean, he was like just, you know, lift it down gently or let it down <laughs> gently. So I think I would need somebody to really dumb down things for me. So I, I'd probably go with James. Yeah, I feel like Wynn is probably is really useful. But I feel like James is a little bit um, easier to, to take in like a high pressure situation. I feel like <laughs> Wynn is going to crumble a little bit. And <laughs> James has sort of been around the block. Uh, he's, you know... He knows Superman. He's he's kind of he kind of understands the whole deal. Um, he's a grown man, so so I think I'm going to go with James on this one too. Uh, okay, our last snap judgment: Would you rather have a heat vision duel or a fight in the air? This is this is so tough because this one is tough. The heat vision duel, like part of it, looks cool because. It's heat vision and heat vision always looks cool, but it's kind of you're not doing doing anything. You're not making any progress. You're just kind of <laughs> like it's like a like you're just kind of in a uh, uh, what what do you call it when like nobody is winning the fight? A standstill, <laughs> standstill kind of like a holding yeah, pattern. Yeah. yeah. So you're not really doing much. So I think I'd probably rather have a fight in midair. Um, even if it didn't look so great, that you're at least <laughs> doing something. You can see if there's progress, if someone's winning the fight. Yeah, this is a tough one. I think I'm going to go heat vision duel. Oh, okay. Um, for the opposite reason. It seems like <laughs> the lazy person's... Uh, <laughs> 
the lazy <laughs> person's fighting. I can't fight, but I don't have to like do much but stand. That sounds great to me. But but you have to outlast the other person. I though. just have to like really glare. I'm. I feel like it's it's really playing my strengths of standing <laughs> still and glaring. Uh, this is sort of how I fight to begin with. So <laughs> I feel like I'd really crush it. Okay. All right. So Morgan <laughs> is going to just try to outlast somebody with, <laughs> with each. I, I can outglare anyone. No judgments on your snap judgments. Thank you for playing a snap judgments. Uh, well, I think that's going to do it for our, our episode discussion of Stronger Together and this episode of Supergirl Radio Rewind. Uh, but now I think we need to get to some Supergirl Radio and some DC TV plugs. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired. DC TV Podcast also has a Tee Public store, so if you are in need of new DC TV related t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, onesies, mugs, notebooks, pillows, or stickers, go to supergirlradio.com and click on the Tee Public store link at the top of the page. Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you also like The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, Titans, Doom Patrol, Batwoman, Stargirl, Superman and Lois, and the upcoming Green Lantern, Justice League Dark, and Strange Adventure shows, and DC TV After Dark. You can subscribe to the DC TV Podcast Mega Feed on Apple Podcasts. Follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter. And like DCTV Podcasts on Facebook or else. This has been a message from Hope, inhabiting the Flash Vessel, also known as New Rachel. And since we spent time with James and Wynn this week, we have some super friends and even Maxwell Lord designs in the DCTV Podcast Tee Public Store. Yeah, since uh, Wynn is a big fan of Maxwell Lord, I thought we would put him up there as well. So if you're <laughs> interested in some Super Friends merch, or even if you're a big Maxwell Lord fan, there's probably some out there. Uh, we have some Maxwell Lord designs in the DC TV podcast T public store if you want to go check check that out. And we would also like to thank our Legion of Super Sponsors for supporting the Supergirl Radio Patreon. These people are Michael, Sam, Anne-Marie, Yvonne, Quinn, Nicola, Leslie, Abby, Ermgard, Miriam, Nicole, Lizeth, Faith, Brian, and Ethan. If you would like to become a Legion of Super Sponsor, you can go to patreon.com slash supergirlradio. And uh, we have uh, four monthly memberships, and we appreciate you uh, helping us keep the lights on through the Supergirl Radio Patreon. 
And if you would like to keep in touch with me, there are a couple of ways you can do that. You can follow me on the social media platform Vero. Uh, I am at Derby Kid. If you follow me there, you will know that I recently watched the uh, classic film uh, Space Camp starring Leah Thompson. And Kate, <laughs> Kate Cap- Capshaw actually uh, met Leah Thompson this weekend at uh, the or this past weekend at the Huntsville uh, Expo. No, uh, Comics and Pop Culture Expo, I think is the uh, official formal title. It's pretty long, uh, but she was there and she uh, she was in Space Camp, the movie Space Camp. And uh, I previously uh, told you about how. Uh, my brother had gone to space camp. I know. I and remember. And his, uh, his mission failed. He made the right decision <laughs> in the, uh, like the mission control, but the people inside the space shuttle made the wrong decision. And so his, his mission failed. Uh, so I told Leah Thompson that story and she wrote on, on I, I got an autograph from my brother on a, a space camp picture and she references his, his mission failing. Uh, so, <laughs> so I got to see Leah Thompson uh, at uh, the Huntsville Comics and Pop Culture Expo. And then I recently uh, watched Space Camp. The premise of that movie, do you know the premise of that movie, Morgan? I don't remember it i don't so i don't think so so sure it's it's an amazing plot um so these kids go to space camp and then for some reason the space camp people say hey let's put the kids in the actual space shuttle sure yeah and then no that makes sense and then a robot <laughs> who has befriended this little small child who cries about how he wants to go to space and so the robot manufactures a way for him to go to space because he he messes with the space shuttle and (laughs) these kids from space camp because they are in the actual space shuttle are shot into space oh my god (laughs) that's the premise of space (laughs) so they have to find sounds amazing (laughs) it's actually great (laughs) (laughs) this has to go on my list now (laughs) you should watch it you you, i just the premise of this robot named jinx yes hilarious (laughs) they just don't make them like this anymore they really really don't the the plot to that is so insanely stupid that they would put these kids in the actual space it's so good but it's actually a great movie um it's got like john williams did the score for it it's like what (laughs) i love everything about this yes you should watch space (laughs) what streaming platform can i find this on well i found it on youtube so uh, nice so (laughs) i don't know if it's streaming anywhere else but i'll i'll hook you up so you can watch space camp Uh, but but you would know that i recently watched that because i posted about it on vero if you're following me there uh, I'm also on Instagram at the the Derby Kid. If you want to uh, keep up with my photos and the things I'm doing, you can also follow me and subscribe to my YouTube channel at YouTube.com/slash/DuckMilkProd. I know I have taken a couple of weeks off from my Batman v Superman Rotten Tomatoes uh, analysis live streams, but I'm getting back to it this weekend. I'm ready to go, um, and so we're going to get back into some uh, Rotten Tomatoes critic uh, reviews, critical reviews of Batman v Superman and the Joy that that brings so we'll be doing that this weekend so if you want to subscribe to my youtube channel so that you'll know when i go live you can do that nice uh and you can find me on twitter and instagram i'm at mojotastic and we are releasing our drunk riverdale episode no this week so uh prepare yourselves uh so if you have ever thought to yourself 
I love Riverdale and I would love it if somebody who knows nothing about the show <laughs> got a little bit tipsy while watching it and then told me <laughs> what they thought was happening. This is the episode of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast for you. So, so excited. You definitely want to check this one out. It's going to be dropping later this week. Uh, and you can also find me on a co uh, as a co-host of DC TV After Dark, where we are presumably planning our next episode. I say well, that's exciting because we're very loosey goosey about it. Uh, but it's happening someday. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw that y'all recently had a, uh, a legends, uh, a legendary ladies, uh, DC TV, uh, after dark, uh, meetup recently. We did on Sunday. We, yeah. uh, we met, we met cat around our area. Sarah came to do a, a, a photo shoot, a mysterious photo shoot for a Kickstarter project. Cat's got going on. You can always just kind of assume Cat's got a Kickstarter project going <laughs> she, on. She You're does a lot of this. Always yeah. got a safe assumption. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I came in on the tail end of the of the uh, the photo shoot, and I just got to be there for like the lunch portion of it. So I got to eat oh. and get, and we got some fancy ice cream. Uh, we that went to this, fun. this uh, ice cream place in Princeton that always has like really fun flavors. And like when Mike and I first started dating, we went there after like dinner one night and they had a flavor that I always regret not trying. And it was something like Old Bay and peanuts. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that doesn't sound appetizing. Why would you make that an ice cream? And I was like, what would that taste like? And I never, I'll never know uh, what oh, the Old Bay and peanuts. I took my friend Jill yeah. there one time and they had it was around, the, it was like winter time and they had an ice cream that was just like evergreen. I was like, what does, does that taste like trees? <laughs> um, so we all got ice cream. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Well, I'm super jealous. That looked like a lot of fun. So I'm glad y'all had a good time. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And it looks like those hags at the Daily Planet have some competition now. McGurk! I love Not typing. Not my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? <laughs> is becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this show. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther? It's not just Lena being mean? No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio.